Podcast. So you have to have that knowledge of where people are and how they're living their lives and how they communicate with, with, with each other and how important word of mouth is. It's still, yeah, social media is huge in the African-American community with, with influencers, but it's also important to be on the ground with people and the trust. People trust me because I've been doing this for a long time. Talk about Somebody has to make, converse. to make conversation. Hi, everyone. It's Bob Ost. Oh, I'm here again. It's the 104th consecutive True Community Gathering on Friday. And today is Friday. Is today May 6th? It's May 6th, isn't it? Thanks for finding us, finding your, your way to our True channel. Good to have you here. We've been doing this as kind of a community thing. April 17th, 2020, I reached a point where I didn't know what to do being in shutdown. You remember shutdown? <laughs> and everybody was kind of tearing their hair out and on edge and not knowing what to do and not knowing how to deal with being isolated. So I asked if people wanted to meet and get together on Fridays and just hang out together and talk about stuff. And me being me, I also added in speakers every week. So. 104 consecutive weeks I've had terrific speakers every week talking about various aspects of what we've been living through, how it is applied to theater. Now we're not talking about working in isolation as much, although as we found out in our opening introductions of the room, there's a lot of people getting COVID right now. So it isn't over. It also isn't as deadly. So we, uh, we've talked about a lot of different things over there over the last two years. Now we are finally going into live performance and theater has reopened and we've had some success in coming back to live performance. And the thing that's been unique about this season, well, there's many things that have been unique about this season. Just the fact that we're coming out of two years of isolation and and we have to find ways of gaining the trust of our audiences so that audiences will come and sit in a theater but the other thing that's happened, I think the first step was Passover. There was a whole string of shows that have opened this season that have focused on diverse voices, voices that are not the usual ones that we hear in theater. When we talk about diversity in theater and we talk about this season, I need to just state it that it's been mostly Black voices. We say BIPOC, but we haven't had that much of a surge in, in Asian voices. Asians are still one of the least heard members of our of our culture. And we haven't had particularly any increase in Latino, although we did have Ariana DeBose win an Academy Award, which is something that's worth mentioning. But we've had a succession of plays by Black writers with producers that have mostly been led by Black producers and producers of color. And it's been a very tough time for this to happen. This is a, a dream come true for many of us, but it's a dream that came true in a very difficult time. And one of the people that's been on the front lines of this whole situation is Marcia Pendleton, my, my guest today. She's a marketing expert who knows the community very well, knows the non-white community very well, and probably knows the white community as well. But right now, our goal is to try to increase 
diverse voices in our culture. And we're going to talk about how we're doing with that because it's, it's been a mixed blessing in many ways. Marcia, welcome and, and say hello and tell us a little bit about Walk Tall Girl Productions and yourself. And you can mention that you were on our board at one time if you want. <laughs> well, you've already mentioned it, so I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Marcia Pendleton, and I am founder and president of Walk Talk Girl Productions. We are a boutique marketing audience development and group sales agency for the performing arts with a special emphasis placed on the theater. And we are primarily concerned with providing access to the performing arts for audiences of color with, again, with a special emphasis placed on audiences from the African diaspora. So that doesn't, doesn't mean African Americans or Black Americans. It is people from the English-speaking Caribbean, also Afro-Latinos, wherever Black folks are from the continent of Africa to Europe. Those are the audiences that we try to reach out to who are here in the United States. I've been in business since 2000. So 2020 was my 20th anniversary. Didn't get a chance to celebrate it because we were all closed in. But at some point in time this year, I am definitely going to do some kind of party a late celebration of the 20th anniversary or an early celebration of the 25th. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's definitely going to be a party. I sit on the board of directors of the Black Theater Network. Our 36th annual conference will be in Detroit. That has been put off for two years, but we've done some things like many other organizations in the digital space but we will be having our in-person conference in Detroit, Michigan. We are returning to Detroit. The last time we were there was in 1993, and our keynote speaker was August Wilson. So I'm also on the board of directors of the Black Public Relations Society. That's a new assignment that I'm about to dive into. In addition to the work that I do through my company, I am also a producer and host of a show on WBAI. It's a weekly arts and culture show. It's called Backstage Stories. That started in December of 2020, so I've been on the air for over a year now and have become one of the top shows on WBAI. And I am happy to say that I've had all kinds of folk on the show, but especially my theater family, including Tanya Pinkins. I've also had John Leguizamo on the show, LaShawns, Lilius White, many Tony Award winners, as well as Drama Desk winners, any kind of acknowledgement that you can receive in the theater those folks have been on my show. So I am looking forward to that. My show next week will be in solidarity with the AAPI community. There have been a lot of shows this, the second half of the season from the AAPI community. 
but they've been off Broadway, not yeah. on Broadway. I wanted to mention that because you, you did did actually mention that there's uh, there are more plays by Asian Americans recently. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so, I, I was focusing on Broadway, and I don't think we need yeah. to. I don't think we need to, but I think Broadway has no. a story of its own. Yeah. So so that's a whole other thing. Before we had the seven playwrights and a return of an eighth to the Broadway space, there were a lot of things happening off Broadway before there was this availability of Black narratives on Broadway this season. I will admit that I think some of them pre-pandemic would not have made it to Broadway. And that's just the truth of it. That's that's really just the truth of it. Well, I, I see this uh, and others definitely would have, but would have had a much more difficult time. But I don't see anything happening in terms of what's in the pipeline for Broadway coming up for 2022-23. Some big stuff like uh, the piano lesson and and the death of a salesman. But beyond the one, that, is that, is I don't that, see a lot. Is that the one that originated in, in London? In London, yeah, with yeah, uh, Wendell but, Pierce and Sharon D. Clark. Right. The Lowman family is, is, a, is a Black family in this in version this, of it. In this version of it, yeah. So beyond that, I don't see a whole lot. Well, I want to sort of frame this as a, as a good news, bad news conversation. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the good news, though. The good news is that there has been a greater opportunity in this current season for diverse voices to be heard. And I thank you for the context that you gave to that. I, I agree that I'm not sure that as much would have happened. Right. You see... It's twofold. It's not just the pandemic. It's not just shutdown. It's George Floyd. And it's it's an aggressive statement by the BIPOC community. It's, what is it, White America, we, we see you? What, what was that? White American Theater, right in White American Theater, we see you. Yeah. Because we could not go anywhere, because we could not go about our lives, we were all forced to see the murder of George Floyd. And that sparked... Lots of conversation through social media. People began to share, as particularly in the, the, the Black theater community, about the blatant racism that they had experienced, as well as the microaggressions. But it began conversations, organizations to, to deal with it. I said that I am a member of the Black Theater Network. We have been advocating for Black theater since 19... The late 80s, so it's been over, this is our 36th year, our 36th conference, and that grew out of the Black Theater Association, which was a part of the Association for Theater in Higher Education. So because we could not go about our lives, we were forced to see what communities of color have been talking about for years and years and years, we could not deny it. And so that sparked a conversation and people willing, institutions willing to make some changes so, uh, in, what, in what was happening on their stages and within the institutions. So we're, we're talking about across the board, we're talking about regional theater, we're talking about it, it reached Broadway. I don't think anybody would have necessarily predicted that it was going to reach Broadway, but it did. And off-Broadway, and we've, we've had a, an increase or an awareness or a, 
an awareness of the need for other voices at the table. And I think that there's been a, a movement in regional theater to have more people of color sitting on boards and, and even artist being artistic directors or having an artistic voice. So, so there's progress. And as a result of that, Broadway followed, uh, followed suit. And you said seven, is it, is it only seven plus for yeah, color it, was girls? Seven, it was seven plays. And then it was the return of slave play. So it was eight plays. We did not talk about Lynn Nottage writing the book for, for MJ. And we cannot count Carolina Change, even though the heart of the show was the maid. It was written, it was not written by a Black person, you know, so it was seen through another lens. So we would not count that. Coming into the spring, uh, we have the return of the revival of For Color Girls with Intasaki, Intasaki Shange's seminal work. And unfortunately, that's going to be closing May 22nd. If something can't be done to save it, maybe something will happen for the show with the Tony nominations coming up that will spark interest. I, w- I want to echo what, what, Ron Simon, what Ron Simons and Nell Nugent said in the paper, which is that if enough interest is spurred in the next mm-hmm. two weeks, they will extend it. Absolutely. Um, and, and I want to say to the room, if you've never seen For Color Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Is Enough, if you haven't seen it, you must see it. I understand that this is a very worthy version of it. I saw the it is original. A glorious, it, is, it is a glorious version. I had the privilege of knowing Intasaki Shange during the last decade of her life, particularly the last five years of her life. I knew when she updated the piece some of that was not apparent in this iteration of the show, but it is uh, glorious. The choreography is absolutely wonderful. The performances are amazing. Kanita Miller, who is very pregnant, doing one of the most amazing, most difficult poems from the piece, An Evening, A Night with Bo Willie Brown. And it goes to another place when you see a woman who is who is with child doing that piece, but it is glorious. And I would encourage you all to, to go see it. Um, I, 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 I also, to the room, I would just, anybody who could possibly see this and support this show, it is, it is so painful. It's painful to watch all these worthy pieces open in commercial Broadway theater. And it's such a tough market, Mar- Marcia. Janelle says that she was proud to have brought investment funds mm-hmm. to diversify, diversify the pool of investors for this timely re- revival. Well, thank you, Janelle. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to at some point switch over to the marketing to the audience, but let's let's continue on this side of it, which is the conscious effort that's being made to to increase the visibility of people that haven't normally been part of the the Broadway stage. Broadway is the toughest. I think regional theaters have probably been more successful at, at being more diverse. Would you agree with that or, or, or do not I not necessarily. have it? Not, not necessarily. I know that there was an effort back in the early 90s and the, the buzzword was multiculturalism. And it was called the Lila Wallace Reader's Digest Fund at that point in time. And they invested millions of dollars into white theater companies to diversify what was on stage and 
behind the scenes. And then there was a cry from theaters of color that they weren't getting any attention and they had been developing audiences for theater for, for many, many years. The Black Arts Movement in particular, Freedom Theater in Philadelphia, the National Black Theater and New Federal Theater here in New York and Black Spectrum Theater here in New York. So those theaters received some funding to, to be, beef up their, their resources. The, the reason so why I had it, the impression that the, the regional theaters were, were so actively doing it was Teresa Eyring and Theater Communications Group had made it an initiative, a priority, for, the, mm -hmm. a priority for, for like five, ten years now. Yeah, um, but it's it's not necessarily the case. Doing one show per year, which some of them have done, or a show every other year, and not necessarily doing anything in terms to diversify their boards or their staffs. There's a bit more of a push now from, from what I'm seeing, from what I'm, I know different companies that I have dealt with uh, across the country, but it's not this huge thing that's, that's happening at this point. And we, we just need to be cognizant of, of that fact even with Broadway and the producing teams. And thank you so very much, Janelle, for being a part of that, the effort to bring the revival of For Color Girls to, to Broadway. But still the people who are around the table are not people that look like myself or look like Janelle. There is some movement like through the Black Theater Coalition with their apprenticeships that's, that's happening and people making, some institutions making a concerted effort to, to find people of color to fill positions. It's tough. It's going to take a long time. It is not something that is going to happen overnight, but there has to be an investment made. And it is up to the, the producing team or the institution of how much of an investment that you're, you're going to make, including doing anti-bias, anti-racist training. People don't like to do that. People don't like to hear that. I have done that kind of training myself because I have bias as well, you know? So even making that kind of commitment to, to take a look at what's going on internally with yourselves that we're, we're not even aware of that unconscious bias white privilege uh, white privilege is a, is a big is a big one white yeah. privilege is something that that almost everyone of us have to some degree whether we acknowledge it or not and i i think it's so important to be aware of it at least i had uh, some tough guests a, a, a while ago i had a tara moses you know tara moses and mm -hmm. adam Heinemann, and she called me out on, on on white privilege and 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 she you know she was right i mean there were there were there were things that we just assumptions that we just have that are that are not as productive as we think they are and are not really helping make the changes happen that 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 should be happening i mean our culture is is a very diverse culture and our theater and our art should reflect that and it's just crazy that that it it doesn't and and there's there are some people in our country right now who are never going to 
get over this hurdle. They don't want to. White privilege, no. is, white privilege has now become a, a banner, a badge of honor for a badge for of honor. People. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is what's the other, what's the other? The, the, there's a new one. When people they don't want to talk about things because it's it offends them to talk about. Uh, uh, it's critical race theory. Well, critical race theory, but it also it, it's another term that they were using. I actually used it. I I cited it in, a, in an essay that I wrote. But yeah, it's it's basically they already are embedded in white privilege. They are threatened by the idea that people want them to to sort of loosen loosen that up a little bit, and they take the other attitude of, I don't even want to talk about slavery because that makes me uncomfortable. You have no right to make me uncomfortable. Well, I think that I think we have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Yeah. We all have to be have to be willing to be uncomfortable to face the realities of what we live through and what 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 we've lived through and who we are. Indigenous Indigenous culture has barely a foothold in our in our arts scene. The very very specific pockets where Indigenous culture actually has a voice. Tara is indigenous, the one that I told you called mm-hmm. me out. She had a very strong position about the fact that when we talk about BIPOC, we don't remember that we're talking about indigenous as well. And it's a problem. It's, it's a very big issue. We're all in this room, I think, at least doing the best we can to confront these issues and to be part of the change, hopefully. But we got a whole country of crazy. I don't know what to do about it. What, what do we do about the about the, the crazies out there? Well, it is, it's not so much what we can do about the crazies. It's what we do about ourselves. It starts, the work has to, to start in internally first. And set that example, be the change that, be the change that, that you want to see. It's not going to be easy. Things are difficult, but on the there's a song that says, "Don't be discouraged. Joy comes in the morning." So you have to get through that, the night. You have to get through the night in order to to get to the the next day. So don't be discouraged. A friend of mine used to say to me, "Got to be better than best. Do better than best. If you think you're doing your best, do better." Marcy, I, I remember this, the phrase, it's white fragility. They call it white mm-hmm. fragility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, they, they, and they, think that, they think that it's okay, white fragility. It, it, makes, me, it makes me furious. So, so here we are, hopefully at a point of change. And I say that understanding full well that for the past 20 years, and I'm an old, I'm an old guy, so I've seen a lot of this, we've always thought we were at a point of change. And we were at a point of outrage, and Rodney King was was a point. There were there were so many points, and nothing changed. I believe that the pandemic, as you so wisely said, put us in a situation where we had to look at what was going on. We were in isolation. There was no turning away. We saw what was happening, and I think I think there is a greater consciousness right now, and I think that it is being reflected in our in our art and i understand when you say that you don't think that some of the plays that were given an opportunity this season might not have been given an opportunity pre-pandemic 
and I do think that it's, I think that's because of the consciousness. I think it's something positive there. I think there's something positive that we can glean from this. We can get to the negative later, but the, the, I think that there is, there is a greater awareness and there's greater action that's being taken now. Do you feel, and, and Janelle, you, you can always jump in and correct me if I'm saying anything that you feel isn't quite on point. I I agree with what you're saying. I think for for me, I I take it from the point of as producers, we all know that the bottom line is the green, right? That's the one thing that's sort of in common. And so sort of my approach now since the pandemic is really starting to introduce diverse people about the asset class of investing in theater because a lot of people of color don't even know that this is something that they could have in their asset class. They, they, they don't know. And because Broadway has been such this sort of like secret society that people don't even know, I'm just really excited to sort of really diversify this pool of money. I think if we start there, I think things can sort of bubble out because that's sort of the genesis of it. And this sort of thing about, there's this elitism about who can come to the table, right? But I know that that's based on money, but I also sort of want to see a paradigm shift about pooling money together so that you're not excluded from these conversations. I think that that taking it from there will really start to change things. And I'm seeing little bubbles of that here and there. Marcia, what do you think about that? I think that I have been able to, not I think I know that I have met and have worked with people who are new to the producing game on Broadway and they are tremendous people. I got to meet some of them for Thoughts of a Colored Man. And also, I think one of them is a pro pro on for colored girls as, as well. But it's a very, very exciting time in terms of people coming in to the producing game and being at the table and being heard. That's very, very important for different ideas. Uh, some of the most exciting things that we have done from an audience development perspective, I've done with some of these new producers on Broadway. One of the most exciting people that I've seen, and uh, she's back on Broadway and it was a, an announcement, is Candy Burris from the Housewives of Atlanta, a Grammy award-winning singer, uh, songwriter, and she brought 8 million, her 8 million followers to the table, her Instagram followers. And she was the kind of producer that is, that is a dream. Wherever she went, she spoke about thoughts of a colored man. And she did IG Lives with guys. It was really something to see. And she ushered in a whole new audience. I remember the first night of Thoughts of a Colored Man, there were people who were sitting behind me, a group of women who were sitting behind me, and Candy was sitting two rows in front of me, and they whispered in my ear, is that Candy Burris? You know, and I said, yes, it is. And they were so excited to see her and so thrilled that 
she had extended this invitation to her audience from Real Housewives of Atlanta and her music career to come into the Broadway space and and they came. You know, so having people like that on board as opposed to people just lending their name. We saw a little over a decade ago what Oprah Winfrey did for the first iteration of The Color Purple when she put that 10-minute segment on her show and crashed <laughs> and crashed the, the telecharge website. And she each and every time she ran it, it crashed the, red, the website, you know, and people came from all over the country because she said, you better come, you better get your tickets now, that invitation. So that's very, very important. So new folks coming to the table, bringing new ways to communicate with, with different kinds of audiences. All of that is tremendously exciting. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to the other side of this for a second. I want to talk about because you, 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 you're a marketer. I mean, that's what that's what you do. You're, mar you're marketing. Let's let's talk for a moment about how marketing, if it does at all, if it, is, is it different with these works with trying to bring in a BIPOC community to, to support theater as an audience? Is, is it is it a different process than it would be if you were doing, I don't know, what? Certainly, because different communities communicate in different ways. So tell us a little different bit about communities that. communicate in different ways. Like, for example, <laughs> the reason why I kind of tuned in late, because number one, I was traveling today. I came up from D.C. And but before I got here, I had to drop off a, a, a payment for Dance Africa, BAM Dance Africa, which is a huge event, cultural event that's been going on for almost 40 years now. How many have heard about Dance Africa here in Brooklyn? Okay. And then there's also something called the International African Arts Festival. And then there is something in Philadelphia called Adunde. And then there is something in another piece in Brooklyn, and not in Brooklyn, but in Philadelphia, a two-day festival that the Roots do, a two-day music festival. Also, there is the there is the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation annual legislative weekend. There are things, events that happen within communities that draw thousands of people where you definitely need a presence. Uh, Harlem Week, which is it used to be a month, now it's it's two weeks and it's uh, virtual and in person. Thousands of people come out for that e event and having a presence there. Uh, if it's a booth, if it's a performance on stage, also there's the Essence Festival that attracts people from all over, Black women from all over the world. You need to be able to meet people where they are, you know, and some of these events that I just mentioned, establishing a presence at, at special events, going into churches, there is no such thing as a monolithic Black church. You know, each church is different, has its, its own personality and how, how you get to the, the congregation or even if they, they want you there or not. Those things also, the 
uh, what they call a divine nine, Black fraternities and sororities, the Black professional organizations that developed when we were excluded from other organizations like the American Medical Association at the National Medical Association. That was for, for Black doctors. So you have to have that knowledge of where people are and how they're living their lives and how they communicate with, with, with each other and how important word of mouth is. It's still, yeah, social media is huge in the African-American community with, with influencers, but it's also important to be on the ground with people and the trust. People trust me because I've been doing this for a long time. Well, let, me, let me ask you a, a, a question. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that we've that we've had an increase of of these these works that have been produced in commercial Broadway theater has has it made a difference in terms of audience response? Has have have we gotten the audiences? Has the black community come out, come out and supported these works? I say black community because the, the the pieces for the most part have been have been black African diaspora, as you as you mentioned earlier. Oh, um, it it depends on what the show it depends on what the show was you know um, what, what shows have been successful Ruben Santiago Hudson's Lackawanna Blues I heard that was terrific it um, was a terrific show and we did some very very different things you know Ruben challenged us you know not let's just not do the same old same old you know like and dealing with Nanny and the parties that Nanny used to give at her house we we came up with Ruben's Juke Joint you know, and he had the the blues band and it created an opportunity for Ruben to to play with the blues band, but also to promote the show because blues music was a big, a big part of that. Also thoughts of a colored man. They were one and two on the, in terms of the number of African-Americans or people from the African diaspora who came in to see that show. There were one and two. On the weekends in particular with Thoughts of a Colored Man, there were, I would venture to say, 85 to 90% of the audience was Black. And I saw that on a regular, I saw that on a regular basis. That that was, that's what I was hoping you would say, because, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember 10 years, whenever it was, whenever Caroline or Change, for instance, was was playing, and also stick fly. I mean, at the place that I that I, w- I would go to, where I would I would be in the audience, and I was I was expecting to see a higher percentage of black black people in the audience, and and they, it still was a hard hard sell. It was hard to get. It was hard to convince the black community that Broadway was worth their hundred and fifty dollars. I guess it's not so much. I know that one night we did. Well, one afternoon we did uh, Brotherhood on Broadway, and after the show, there was a conversation between the playwright uh, Keenan Scott II and Michael Eric Dyson, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, and everybody. I've never seen this before. Just about everybody stayed <laughs> for that post-show discussion and purchased tickets. You know, like we had a group, a huge group that anchored the event. And then we also had the the discounted tickets. People have learned to look for discounts as well. So the audience has become more sophisticated than it was when Stickfly was was happening. But- Stickfly, the same producer as for for Color Girls. Yeah, 
but, but, no, but, the other, but the other piece of it is you have to make an investment. You have to make an investment. And it's the, the runway time is longer in terms of reaching out to specific communities. The, the, the runway time is, is longer. And also coming out of the pandemic, you have coming out of the pandemic, you had a community that was hardest hit by COVID. And then it was also had issues with vaccination, you know, being vaccinated, receiving misinformation about the vaccine. And then when it came time to, to come to Broadway, we had to jump through all kinds of hoops in order to see the shows that were meant for us to see. You know, so there you have to take all of that into consideration. But the good news is that in spite of those things, some shows did really well up until the time that COVID decimated them. When Omicron came along, Omicron decimated Thoughts of a Colored Man. I also thought that that Clyde's was absolutely amazing. It was an amazing show, but it did not get the, the support that I thought that it deserved. And Lynn Nottage is just one of my favorite people, period, <laughs> period. Well, the, the shows that are kicking it right now are, are the, the usuals. It's The Music Man, it's Aladdin, it's Lion King, which an argument has been, yeah. mm -hmm. been made that Lion King is diverse, but those are the ones that are all sucking, sucking the audiences in. And we, we have to acknowledge that given the fact that we're in a post-pandemic post culture right now, there has to be some shrinkage of the audience. The audience has to be, there are fewer fewer potential theater goers than there were. Also theater, go, the tourist industry, it's actually, it's actually picking picking up now. Mm -hmm. But at the, at the beginning, there was no tourist industry. So the, a lot right. of shows that were opening had had very little, they were competing with other, other shows for so such a limited number of audience members. Mm -hmm. So the timing, that's why I keep saying it's good news, bad news. Do you think that any of these, the plays that like, let's say Passover seems to be, there seems to be some talk that Passover is probably going to get, get a Tony nod. Lackawanna Blues, I don't remember seeing what the Lackawanna Blues is. I didn't, I've, I've been reading the, the gossip. I, seems like Lackawanna Blues should be worthy of, of, of consideration as well. It's going to be curious. It's very going to be very interesting to see whether the increase in diversity is reflected in the Tony nominations. We'll um, see. I, I hope so. One of the, this is full disclosure. MTC is one of my uh, clients and I've been with them all year long and not just working on the, the, the black plays, but working on every play to with other consultants to diversify the audiences. And one of the, some of the most fun that I had this, this year was working with Skeleton Crew. And even though it was closed down twice due to COVID and some of the things that we wanted to do at the beginning of the preview period, we had to kind of just, we had to, we didn't have a whole bunch of time. So it, it became Detroit week as opposed to Detroit month, you know, like bringing in the mayor of Detroit came in, we did Detroit night, people flew in from Detroit to support Dominique and, and her husband who are who are from Detroit. It was crazy. 
It was crazy. It was such a joyous celebration of Detroit and Detroit artists who are all over Broadway, including Michael R. Jackson, with the amazing piece, a strange loop, piece, a strange, a strange loop. loop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's 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 from Detroit. So celebrating that, bringing uh, bringing attention to that was was extra it was an extraordinary experience and and very very important so but mtc i know for a fact has made the the effort both on stage and behind the scenes to really change their culture and i've seen it change with my own eyes you know and, and i could see more of that with institutions and even with commercial producers I'd be very happy. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Uh, the mm-hmm. the thing that I'm concerned about what is because we had this surge of vo- voices coming into the theater during a very difficult period. Mm-hmm. I'm just concerned that it's going to discourage the future voices or discourage people from bringing in the. Fu- I mean, there's so many reasons why things didn't financially succeed, and I mean, you could say that. Well, you have to say that there were there, there were a lot of shows competing for for similar audiences. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, what do you? I'm just hoping that it's hoping the jello the jello sticks to the wall finally. I mean, we we we've had something that feels triumph somewhat triumphant to a degree, and I hope that 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 it it carries all over into the future. What do you think? Do you have any any? Any ideas, any guesses about the future, any predictions? Do you think that we've made a change? Some people have, and we will see that. We will definitely see that. And those who haven't, we will definitely see that. And people are no longer afraid to speak up and speak out about what is happening or what is not happening. I think that that is important. So we have to wait and see. It didn't get like this overnight and it's not going to change overnight sometimes it's baby steps and sometimes it's giant leaps and sometimes it's those things in between and somebody said put it in small theaters that's true on broadway not everything is supposed to be on broadway you know that's a whole other conversation (laughs) yeah that, that is you know that is that is a whole other conversation and also Things need time to develop. I went to see something last last night in DC and someone said, is it ready for, a Broadway producer asked me and said, is it ready for Broadway yet? I'm like, not quite. It still needs work. The music was amazing. The singing was amazing. There were still some holes in the story that, that needed to be dealt with and they will be dealt with, but the disservice it would be a disservice to bring that particular musical to Broadway right now because it needs more time to to marinate. You know, to, and a good to, a good producer would be should be willing to take it on. Should and be allow willing it. to should be willing to to do that. Yeah, yeah, really. Do you want to say what the show is just so we're it's on our radar so that we can look for it? Grace, it's called Grace. Okay, it's good to know. Janelle, do you, do you have have any any thoughts that you want to add to our conversation? Yeah, I would say that I was very inspired by the creative marketing efforts that I saw this year. And specifically when we were talking about thoughts, I, I had also invested in that. And I thought it was really interesting how they 
incorporated the barbershop motif and took it into the communities to, to, to engage with the communities. I think that our communities are getting much savvier that we have to be on the other end creative about how we approach them. We're not cookie cutters. So it's going to force, <laughs> it's going to force the marketers to approach the audience in creative ways. But I think if we can do that, they will come, but I feel like we are in this weird position where we almost have too much product, which is not really a thing because to me, there can never be too much theater, but the balance of that, of, I can even speak for myself. There's so much that I want to see that I'm like, oh, when am I going to make this? Or when am I going to make that? And in my head, Marcia is sort of like my smart friend that does all my homework for me so that with her newsletters, I always feel like I'm in the know that I didn't miss anything, even though I might've been busy doing something else. So Marcia, thank you so much for all that you do and just you know, correlating all of that information so that we feel like we're abreast of what's happening in our community. It's really, it's really and truly important. And that has... That's taken a number of years and the newsletter came about because I noticed that I was sending out a lot of information to people and the open rate for the for the dedicated e-class was going down and someone suggested to me, well, why don't you do a newsletter? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, so it's a lot of work. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's something that I enjoy and it's something that uh, people uh, look to. Can you can you give uh, people in put something in the chat so they know how to sign up for your newsletter? Sure, absolutely. I will I will do that. My website is under construction, but you can still, I'm about to do a revamp, but you can still sign up for the newsletter. Another thing that I'm about to do, hold on one second, I cannot walk in chew gum at the same time, <laughs> or type in chew, chew gum at the same time. One of the things that I want to do is I have Black Theater Online, but I'm also creating something called In Common, which is I-N and then it's C-O-M-M-O-N, all one word, capital I, capital C. And I really and truly feel that the arts will give us the opportunity to connect in a way that nothing else does. I'm a big fan of New Federal Theater. And when they did a piece called Gunlum's Legacy, we did a, a solidarity night in solidarity with Asian and Black theater night. It was an extraordinary event. And at intermission, even though we had come in with our own specific tribes, at intermission, people were speaking, were talking to each other about what they had been experiencing during the first act. So that's one of the things that I will be doing, creating multicultural, multi-ethnic experiences through theater. So people will go to the theater, but also be able to connect afterwards. And sometimes that connection is a reception where you can talk to each other, but mostly it's, it's with food and we can sit and we can talk and we can break bread. It's hard to have ill feelings about someone when you're you're sitting at the same table eating with them you know so you have a, you have a nicer family than other that. people do so look look for that look yeah. for that as well i'm going to ask you you don't have to go into too too much detail but 
if people in the in the room want to reach out and to, and have more diverse audiences come and support the work, and even you know, I, I, this is something I need to know as well. Are there a couple of pieces of advice you can give people in terms of how you can effectively reach out to to other communities and bring other people in? I think it all starts on the page. Okay, if you understand that, it all starts on the page. So it's the it's I, the it's the product. It's the product. It's it's where it's where I begin, and I look for ways, people, places, things that are thematically tied to the work. So if there is, Grace is about African-American culinary traditions. And so one of the smart things that they did was to connect with a, a Black restaurant association in, in Washington, DC. If it, it is set in, in Philadelphia and there's some more things, so some more references to, to Philadelphia that, that they need to, to make. I'm from Philadelphia, so I was able to recognize some things uh, like the Bogle family that does the, the Philadelphia Tribune, the oldest Black newspaper in the country, but they started a catering business back in the 18th century. So being aware of that, looking for, for those kinds of, of connections. The other piece of it is if you are going to hire an expert, I guess, make sure that they are experts. I think one of the things that I'm a theater person, okay? I'm a theater person and I have a tendency to, to think that way when I when I look at the work. So I'm not saying that people who don't come from a theater background can't get the job done, but I'm saying that if you are working with people who do have that theater background, who could make those connections, that someone who is coming from some other kind of marketing experience would not be able to make because they don't have that kind of information. I think that that's important to, to take a look at as, as well. And also talk, speak with the artist. The arts are not created in a vacuum. So speak to the artist. The artists always know who they're writing for, who, who they're writing for. It's not, and some, and I have very few of them who say, well, I'm, I've written this for everybody. No, no, no. They're very specific. I do hear that a lot though, Marcia, I have who, to tell you. Who they're writing for. No, this this group of young artists that, that I know that are coming up, Donnie, I love Dominique. Well, Dominique Moriso is, is, very, is very clear. They are very clear about who they're speaking to. This is the audience that I want in here. And, and yes, I want everybody else to come, but I specifically want you to, to do that. You know, I specifically want you to create that experience for them, you know, so. So I think, and don't, with Grace, it is set, it is set in Philadelphia. So I don't really think it has anything to do with the book in particular. Name, but it is with African-American traditions set in Philadelphia. So I think people are sending you private messages. I'm not seeing these. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So 
I, I want to I want to wind up a little bit. You, right. You've been profound. because I got to go to the theater tonight. Oh, After so traveling all day, I got to go to the theater tonight. I'm going to see Wedding Band by Alice Childress. Oh, okay. Yeah, Away Tempo has directed it. I'm really looking forward to going to see it, and I really don't want to go out in this rain, but I will. <laughs> I hear it's fabulous, though. I hear yeah. it's absolutely fabulous. So you, I'm yeah. sure you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if you're looking for a major directing talent, Awoye Tempo is all of that and more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm well. Let's let's sort of wind this up a little bit. I, I do want to say to the room that if you have any questions, now's the time to ask them because we're gonna we're gonna be ending in a moment so that Marcia can go off and and get ready for her evening. Normally, we get quite Q and A at the end. I think that this. You've been ex incredibly eloquent, Marcia. I'm very moved by by your whole presence. I think that you have a eloquence and an elegance about you that I respect and admire very much. Thank you, Janelle. I also uh, thank you for being part of the, part of the conversation. I, I would have welcomed you to jump in as much as you wanted to. Um, My pleasure. My pleasure. Marcia, I hope we can continue this conversation sometime oh, soon. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so mm -hmm. glad that you're making this amazing effort to change hearts and minds and bringing people into opportunities that they don't know about. You exactly. Know, right. They don't know about it. You know, yeah. if you tell them, if you invite them to the party, taking a the title from Donna Walker Kuhn's book, In Invitation to the Party. Mm -hmm. uh, then people will come. I'm a theater evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so uh, thank you again for being with us today and for sharing so much of your knowledge. <laughs> you, are, you are a wealth of information. Thank you. Thank you I, for inviting me. Oh, it's my honor and my privilege to, to have you and to share you with this group. I'm, I'm going to say a few words of farewell to everybody else. Thank you for being with us today and I hope that you are um, I hope that you've, you've listened carefully to a lot of what Marcia had to say today because it's a lot of important stuff and it's, it's a lot of change that needs to happen and nobody thinks it's easy but it has to be done and it starts as she said with ourselves thank you for being with us know everybody that we do this as a community service which means that you don't have to pay <laughs> but we don't mind if you do so if you want to support us and you want to keep true, strong and healthy going forward, and we do plan on continuing these virtual community gatherings well into the future, when the rest, when everything is all clear and there's no more COVID, I think I still want to keep doing these on Fridays at five o'clock virtually so that I can get so many people from so many different places in the, in the country and in the world in the room with us so that we can have these conversations. So if you want to support us, go to truedonate.com, trudonate.com. And if you decide you want to become part of the weekly gathering and be here with us when we're doing this in person, live, live on virtual, then email me at trunltd at aol.com, trunltd at aol.com, and put Zoom in the headline in a way that will make me laugh. Okay. So thanks, everyone.
Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wannabet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wannabet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Acid Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Electric Acid.